welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter, ideas shape markets, and they change the world. One of the things you've, all of you have heard me do over the years is really uh, understand what leaders are going through. And I'm talking about leaders when you belong in a business setting. So let's just put it in context. We're not talking a CSO title, a CEO title, but leaders across the different spectrum must be more adept at, um, at really understanding what makes them tick and what others, uh, how others tick as well. And um, one of the things we did a while back is bring the WILD team, wholly intentional leadership development team, Dr. Rod McCann and Dr. Halleck into the great conversation and really went through what the need is. And, uh, and I've been taking part in their free Friday sessions. Look me up if you would be interested. And I met uh, a woman named Wanda Townsend. And uh, I said, I've got to talk to this woman because, because of a couple of things. One, her background in law enforcement that, uh, and then this incredible journey she's been on since becoming a police officer and a police chief this incredible journey that she's been on exploring emotional IQ, organizational development and organizational psychology. And so I invited her in uh, to have a great conversation. Hi, Wanda Townsend. Hi, Ron. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this. Wanda, by the way, is an entrepreneur. She is has her own practice. Uh, she's involved with wild leaders. Uh, she's been an HR, <laughs> a chief people officer at a, at a big corporation. So one, I'm really interested where you're at in your journey. And mm -hmm. more importantly, what kind of questions are you trying to answer today about you and others? I think it's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you read my bio, I think it's um, apparently I get bored easily with the, everything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so right now I'm launching my own coaching and consulting business. I've been doing leadership development for 30 plus years, the majority of that being in the law enforcement industry. Um, but I just have this fascination with behavior in the workplace. And so, you know, I'm always wanting to hear people's stories to get a better understanding of who they are, because I think we all struggle with wearing masks and I want to help people stop doing that, you know? Why is that important? Let, let's just say for a second, the mask thing has mm -hmm. worked for me in my career. I've been hiding who I really am for a long time. Yep. Why would you break something that's working like that? But is my question back to you would be, is it working though? Very good. So tell, tell me, what are the signs it isn't working? I may have a scotoma where I believe it is. Give mm -hmm. me the signs that it isn't working. Yeah, my experience has been um, those individuals that wear the masks and don't let others see who they truly are, they're not trusted. Uh, employees don't see them as being real. And so if you have a leader that's, that's leading a division, an organization, and they're wearing masks, there's not a closeness because they're not going to allow people to get close to them. They're not going to let individuals see behind that mask. And so I would argue it doesn't work because I think we're in a society today 
that people expect more from their leaders. That's excellent. Now, there's two ways to learn if my people don't trust me. One is hire somebody to come in and do an audit and bring right. back the facts. But what if I haven't done that? What if I came to you and said, okay, uh, I've been practicing this. I've been relatively successful. Tell me how I would know my people don't trust me. Yeah. So through my coaching, brain-based coaching, I would just start with asking questions um, and have them describe to me, okay, how is it working? And then I think a question I would ask, okay, if you pulled that mask off, how do you think things would be different for you and your team? Mm -hmm. Because every, all of us have wisdom within us. And so I think, especially when it comes to coaching, you have to ask those, those open-ended questions to pull that wisdom from within. Um, Cause Ron, I, you know, in my profession, I was a, a great mask wearer. You know, I had many masks um, and it wasn't until I started shedding those that people got to know me better. They appreciated the, the realism that I brought to the conversations. They loved that as a corporate officer, I was willing to stand up and go, hey, I don't have all the answers. What do you think? You know, it just, it really opened up deeper, or deeper relationships. That's really interesting because there's two value propositions then. One is you'll lead better and get more out of your people. But yep. there's a, it sounds like there's another value proposition too. And that is you're carrying around a lot of weight mm -hmm. and trying your best to keep people from seeing things you think make you look weak. Yep. And that weight must be hard to bear over time. It is. And I know from personal experience, um, you know, I was a Nebraska state trooper for 10 years. And when I went through the academy, granted, this was many years ago, it, we were taught to ignore your emotions because emotions get you killed. Well, guess what? As a child abuse investigator, as a sex crime investigator, as an investigator who saw lots of different um, heinous crimes, I stuff those emotions and it was not healthy. And ultimately, you know, I had to do something about it because I had stuffed for so long that, and I'm, I'll share with everyone, I had become an alcoholic. That was my way of, of coping. So, you know, there, there is that value proposition of allowing yourself to be seen and to let others know the challenges you're experiencing as a leader. It's, there's been a lot of discussion, not only in leadership circles, but recently in law enforcement uh, around abuses, obviously, a lack of emotional intelligence yep. dealing yep. With, with people, right? And, and, and some pretty horrific things as a result of that. Do you find leaders who, and did you experience this as well, did you find by putting the mask on, by not allowing a transparent look and who you were, did you find that hurt you professionally in dealing with people? Did you find that you yourself, and you can speak generically for law enforcement, mm -hmm. ended up having your own erratic behavior because you couldn't manage your own stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, for many of us, and, and I guess I'll speak from my own experience, 
I was a different person at work um, than I was at home because of the mask wearing. Because, you know, I didn't want anyone to think I was weak. Um, and therefore, I think some of my interactions when I was, you know, working the road that I might have not had the empathy I should have had. I became hardened because of those masks and I may not have, you know, given more of myself to say a crime victim that I should have, you know? And so it's, I, I think it prevented me from being self-aware. Right, right. And the lost opportunities, that's mm -hmm. I always like to say the greatest leaders are balancing risk with opportunity. Yep. So there's a risk in sharing transparently. How do you do that appropriately, Wanda? How do you share appropriately your stuff? Yeah. So I think for me, you know, I, I'm an emotional intelligence facilitator. And I, th I think it was back in, when, when was it? 2009 was my first EQ class, but I wanted something different because what I was doing wasn't working. I knew that inside, but I didn't know exactly what that would look like. So I heard about emotional intelligence. So I started taking all of these classes and through that process, I learned, you know, you have to be self-aware. You know, you need to be aware of your emotions, the emotions of others. Then you need to be able to manage those in the moment. And, you know, two other components of emotional intelligence is social awareness. And that includes empathy. So are you providing the empathy that you should in a given situation? And the last one is relationship management. And a lot of this is based off of Daniel Goldman's work. Um, but that's the first step. I mean, you're not going to be able to stop wearing those masks until you develop self-awareness. It's, uh, it's interesting because a lot of times in studying Wanda Townsend and some of the ways she talks, as well as the way she writes, uh, this whole journey from self-awareness to managing in the moment, to living in another person's shoes, otherwise mm -hmm. no sympathy. And then the management over time of relationships, right? Yeah. That's a journey, mm -hmm. if you will, with, with much needed skills at every one of those stages. Sure. Tell me, how do you start the journey? Mm -hmm. What's the best way to start that journey just whether it's a weight loss program, I'm thinking, or, or it's training for a marathon or something. Take me on, how do you train for this marathon called yeah. the emotionally intelligent human being? Yeah, I think it's, you know, goes back to, okay, what goal or what outcome do I want? And so starting there, identifying that. And so for me, it was, I want to show up as a better leader. So I had to do a lot of self-reflection about my own behaviors, you know, and the best way for me to do that was through journaling. I am a huge proponent of journaling. <clears throat> and the reason why is because if you can journal every day about a work situation, and that's what I did, I would journal at night about, okay, here's the interaction I had at work, or here's a problem that I'm experiencing. And here's my thought process. If you journal every day and go back to your journal, you will see your self-defeating thoughts and behaviors 
um, it, it will come jumping off the page at you if you're willing to be open to seeing it. Yeah, and it's important uh, to recognize <clears throat> the many of the leaders when first uh, faced with the prospect of journaling, it's important to realize this doesn't have to be Ernest Hemingway. You, <laughs> you can exactly. put words on pages, you know, to get yep. it, right? And it's not Dear Diary either, because I remember um, my last uh, law enforcement organization that I worked for, I trained all of our police officers on emotional intelligence. And they're like, what? I'm writing my emotions down. And it's like, yeah, it's it's not a Dear Diary. Don't worry. You know, it's just here's what I felt. Here's how I navigated that emotion. And a lot of times people don't even know what they're feeling. Well, and there's a lot of fear about putting something <laughs> on a page. Yes. What if it's discovered? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. What if my wife reads it? What if my children read it? What if my friends get it? What if someone posts it on Facebook? Yeah. yeah, I have all my journals from 1999 or 1998. So I need to make sure I burn them before I ever die. <laughs> okay, well, I can't, I, I, you know, or you publish them. Yes. yes. <laughs> and become more yeah. famous on that. But uh, in all seriousness, because you're exploring so many different, in my opinion, you're exploring so many different routes right now. Mm -hmm. And that's what it appears to Ron Warman as I look at what you're doing, a lot of different routes, but yeah. possibly they're just, uh, they're just different uh, aspects of the same road and same journey mm. you're on. So tell me the different things you're doing right now okay. and, uh, and what your outcome is in this journey. Yeah. So since I retired from law enforcement, uh, the fall of 2019, I have just tried to take a pause because I tend to be a workaholic and a perfectionist. So it's like, let's just sit and see what comes your way. And let me tell you, it's amazing the opportunities that have opened up. So I have become, or I will soon become a published author. I've been working with a gal named Linda Ellis Eastman and she's a publisher. And so I will have a published book chapter here, um, hopefully this month. And it's called Silent No More, Finding Your Voice. And so in that chapter, I'm able to share my personal story about, you know, unmasking, about becoming authentic, really letting people see who you are. Um, and she loved that chapter so much that she's asked me to write another one. So I'm done with that. I'll be submitting that this week. And that's for a book called The Future Female Leader preparing girls and women to lead the world. And then she also is republishing my first book chapter in a book called The Professional Woman, dealing with transition and change, emotional wellness, resilience, and confidence. So um, that has been exciting because I've always wanted to write my own book. And granted, this isn't my own book. I'm just a contributing author, but it's letting me dabble in the writing realm I'm also working with wild leaders, as you said earlier when we started this conversation and, you know, they believe in whole leadership development. And so I've always had a love for leadership development, been teaching it for 30 years. So that's allowing me to continue on that journey. 
Um, and then I'm starting my own coaching and consulting business because I have, you know, all these certifications and it's like about time I do something with them, you know, the, the emotional intelligence, I am a brain-based coach, certified coach, and I just love working with people. That's awesome. So these uh, three chapters belong to three different compendiums that this publisher is putting together? Yeah, three different. It'll be three separate books. Three separate books. Very interesting. Yeah. And, and how many different authors are represented in these books? Yeah, so Linda usually picks about 25 co-authors for each book. Okay. And they're, you know, they're professors, they're um, coaches, they're CEOs. It's just a broad perspective of different women helping and the and the purpose behind it Linda's all about we need to support other women you know women supporting women so where does the community get access to is there a website that they can go to to see these books there is and um it escapes me at the moment that's all right we'll get back and we'll put that in the short um, in the short description of this great conversation. Okay. Perfect. So we'll do it after this call. That's awesome. Wanda, um, you, you opened up by suggesting four things. Again, you need to stop and be self-aware. You need to learn how then to manage yourself in the moment. Uh, you have to learn how to be empathetic. And then of course, uh, relationships um, deserve a methodology as to a management method for really working with other people. Um, if you were to, uh, if I were to hire you as my coach mm -hmm. and you were to help me step through each of those paths, what would that look like? What would my life look differently Mm -hmm. by, by employing your methodology. Yeah. So again, it, it goes back to goal setting. You know, we all have goals, we have dreams. And so as a coach, I want to help people move through that process. And so it would start by identifying that goal and then identifying strategies, just like, you know, in the corporate world, when you do strategic planning, you have that, you know, that goal, that objective that you want to reach, and then you have steps to get there. And so I generally only have people identify two or three goals because I don't want them to become overwhelmed. And then we just go through this process of, you know, mining and defining, you know, what they want and what that looks like. And so I act as their accountability partner as well. Are these audacious goals? You know, sometimes when you, you talk to somebody about your purpose, people have a hard time with that. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just too big for them. Yes. It's just too big for them. And do you find that to be the case? And that's why you say a goal, almost like you want to lose 20 pounds. That's a goal. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like the professional individuals I've worked with, it's they want to be a better team leader or they want to, um, oh, they might have an a individual, they might have an employee who is not performing 
And so their goal may be to work with that individual to get them to improve their performance. So it could be something as easy as that. Well, that, I shouldn't say that's easy, but you know, it could be a goal like that. Well, the, the fun one about that is the employee not performing or having a situation with an employee is that could lead um, to some unconscious incompetence that they have in, in actually working with another. So that, that, that's yep. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, my experience has been an employee is not performing because either they're in the wrong role and so if you can get them in the right role, they will thrive, you know, or it could be that they have personal issues going on at home and they are just overwhelmed and they are essentially paralyzed. And so if you can refer them to EAP, get them some help, then their, their performance is going to increase. So it's, it's just taking the time and having those conversations. What was the hardest part? of your story in sharing with others? I had so much fear of what people would think of me. And so that kept me from year, you know, kept me for years not sharing my story. It's, it's the secret that was safe with me, you know, and, and knowing and trying to find the courage to share, hey, I've suffered from depression. I've, you know, abused alcohol. I have suffered from PTSD. Um, I thought that might affect how people saw me as a leader. And actually the reverse happened. For those of you who have been to a great conversation, we've had many different um, speakers and panels over the years. And the ones that stick with you the longest are those leaders who chose to be transparent and we all could learn from the, the path to value that they took, uh, probably full of chuck holes and speed bumps along the way. Wanda, this has been a great conversation. Thanks, Ron. This was a lot of fun. Yeah.